So I would have just eaten and gone to bed. I would have had like an hour nap. But I didn't do that. Well. I shot the shit with myself for a while. Okay, don't do that on my couch, first well, of all. Well, I didn't actually sh- Stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you're just so You just don't even know how to respond. You're just so stupid. You're no. just got- it just, you're so stupid. Stop calling me stupid. Stop it, it's not nice. You're stupid. And it's week three of quarantine, and <laughs> right? Pretty much. <laughs> Welcome to I'm Sorry What the Podcast. It's week three of quarantine. How's everybody doing? Oh, we're fine. We're fine, Christina. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Any fucking way. I'm Christina. That's Amanda. This is our podcast. What's up? What episode is it? What podcast is it? What episode is it? Is it 50? 50? You already told me, you've told me this like it's episode 58. And uh 58. it's I'm sorry what the podcast. It's I'm sorry what the podcast. <laughs> Hi. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, here's what's happening. Here's the here's the 411 on what's happening in ISW podcast land. I'm supposed to have surgery on March 30th, so we had pre-prepped and we're like, we're going to record all our episodes in advance so we don't have to worry about it. Bing, bang, boom. Turns out, fucking coronavirus, not having my surgery, but we're still going to try and record. So we got a number of episodes in the bank, just in case one of us gets coronavirus. Just in case one of us is quarantined, you know? Because, let's be honest, if one of us gets that sick... We're not going to fucking record episodes, so we're just going to focus on health, even though, holy fuck, is shit happening. (laughs) Yeah, the world is melting. The world we live in, I, when I drove here, I drove by a drive-thru testing facility, Mm -hmm. and then I had to order my Chipotle from, like, the good-to-go order, and then they brought it out to me. Like, Applebee's car side to go with gloves, like, up to their elbow. And I just, like, rolled my window down halfway and they go, here's your order. And I was like, hey, thank you. (laughs) Just roll that baby back up. (laughs) Yep. However, I'm not mad about it. Because I just got to sit in my car and jam out while someone made me Chipotle and brought it to me. It was a little heavy on the Pico. Not enough cheese, but I'll live. I usually put way too much cheese on it. I like to bind myself up with one burrito <laughs> right i like to just like not poop no it's it's you're just offsetting the other parts of the it's chipotle true. i'm because... just trying to like even out the poop cycle because um it gives a fiesta in my colon so if i eat enough cheese mixed with it it's just like a siesta in my colon if you wouldn't, will. wouldn't it be funny if oh, when this it be funny wouldn't it be funny if like when this came out no if when this came out if, like, it's basically just passed. Because I honestly think, like, once people are able to get outside and, like, move around like the flu, it's going to start dissipating and dying off on its own. But Hopefully. right now, because it's been so cold and wet, everybody's like, Petri dish, let's all sit inside in our classrooms and, you know, work and office. Let's eat all at the same space in the same space. about this big. Well, when this comes out, it'll be, it would have been the one after my surgery. So it'll be, like, April 2nd. So... I guess we'll see. It's, it'll either be week three of quarantine and everybody's going fucking stir crazy, or we'll finally be able to be free and go to Walmart and shop the halls without feeling like you have to hold your breath the entire time. Because when I went to Walmart today, I felt like I should be holding my breath. And go buy toilet paper. Like With a normal no fucking person. Like Here's- my video that I posted, in case any of you watched it, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous that I could fill my gas tank up for 20 bucks. But I couldn't buy fucking toilet paper. <laughs> See, and, like, what I'm more concerned about than even the, like, quarantine stuff and all that, like, getting sick is the aftermath of shutting everything down. Mm-hmm. Small businesses are basically going to go bankrupt in this, like, three weeks because they can't go no money flow for three weeks. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're doing, like, small business loans. The government's doing everything they can to try to avoid that. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it's... <sighs> It's a nice thought, but I mean, there's gonna be, there's just gonna be so much like aftermath stuff that they're gonna have to deal with too. Well, that we'll see, because this is being recorded in the future, so maybe your prediction will come true. Maybe yeah. you won't. fingers, fingers crossed. I'm Fingies wrong. Fingies crossed. Maybe Amanda isn't a psych. 
I guarantee I'm not a psychic. I just I said psychiatrist, and um, I meant psychic. Yeah, I'm not that either. Not either of those things. I'm a. I'm just looking at the economic slide of things. That's all. It's just positive thoughts out into the universe. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just saying, if my small business was my livelihood right now. My brother in Canada just said, you sick yet? Because out of all of us, it's going to be you. <laughs> Fuck you, Ben. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. You sick yet? Out of all of us, it's going to be you. Fuck you. <laughs> yep, and I'm I'm going to say that you are quarantined to your basement. Don't You better not get Linda and Tom sick. Oh, I would be so sad. Yeah. Linda's got the immune system of a god because she did 13 years of in-home daycare so I feel like just that alone. Yeah, but just she's like, over 60. She I know, had the but she had influenza, year. bronchitis, a sinus infection, and strep throat. It took her a week and a half for me to get her to the doctor. She still was up and kicking. And then she was back at work within like five days. Oh, yeah. I was, and she was like 60 at the time. Mm-hmm. Or like 59. I was 22 with influenza, and I missed two weeks of work. <laughs> you also have an autoimmune issue. I'm so just saying. Maybe a normal body I'm takes five days. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and yours is just like, nah, we're just going to, like, fight everything that isn't the sickness first, and then we'll go after the sickness. Right? I'm worried about my dad, because he smoked for, like, 40 years. So he always, even though he's that hasn't smoked in, like, Ted now. He still always had like a slight smoker's cough. He's got really uh-huh. severe sleep apnea. Like he's the one. He's got yum yum is the one I'm worried about. And I think he's really sad because school's closed down and he's assuming it's probably going to be till the end of the year now. Mm-hmm. And he's sad because he's not. He's like, this is my last ride with all my little kiddos on my bus. Mm-hmm. For, and I was like, oh, dad, you're so sad. My, uh, my he boss. might go drive for the egg company. Nice. My boss's son is a senior. And she did this big post about how the seniors are very upset because this is like they can't do their sports. They can't do any of their last anything. Mm-hmm. Their prom's probably not going to happen. Yeah. They're um, just everything like that. And all of the kids that I picked up today at the school, they had them clean out their lockers. Yep. Like every, as if they're not going to be coming back. If they come back, obviously bring everything right, back. But they but... have to clean everything out. So they need the lockers all cleaned out because mm-hmm. they're going to sanitize the whole school. Yep. So but we can probably cut all this out. Yes, yeah. we're just talking. Now we're just fucking chit chatting. Now we're just chatting. Well, since we're recording in advance, we don't have any updates or anything for you. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll hope you're hanging in there, people. Yeah, and, stay uh, healthy. Stay strong. Be smart. Don't wipe your butt with your animals if you're on toilet paper. Just hop in the shower, guys. We're yeah. in the same room. Fucking bidet, man. Don't be. Oh, that's even fancier than toilet paper. You do the bidet. (laughs) Oh, no. My cord. Oh, no. no. Her cord finished. It's because I can only have it halfway in so I can hear. (laughs) So it has to be, like, balanced in just right so it stays. Redneck, hold it in. Are you good now? I'm just going to hook it on something and hope it stays. I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. This is fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I feel like my F's are really fucking sharp. Sharp. Ew. That was annoying. I hate that. I hate everything I just said. All right. Well, since we don't really have any updates other than the world is melting around us, uh, you got a story? I do. Let's uplift this world with some true crime and death. I want to start the story with a disclaimer. Okay, I'm ready. She gets real dark and real graphic. Okay. I discovered her, this story, (laughs) everything's female. I don't know why. And I was reading it and I was like, man, and then all of a sudden I was like, holy, ooh, holy fuck. (laughs) Got a lot of fucks today. What in the French toast fuck is going on here? French toast fuck. Sounds sticky. (laughs) Just say it does. So I'm gonna read this, and again, I'm just forewarning you: don't eat when you read this, or when I read this. When you're listening to this, it's 
I'm sorry. It's okay. fine. It's good. Do you know how many weird fucking things I've said on this podcast? They can I, handle it, I promise. <laughs> I know they can handle it. I just... It hurts my heart. It makes my tum-tum hurt. Mm-hmm. It's going to make your tum-tum hurt. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. So, I'm going to tell you the story of Kelly Ann Bates. She was born May 18th, 1978 in Hattersley. Uh, it's about 10 miles east of Manchester in England. Okay. Her parents were named Margaret and Tommy. Um, and she was like a normal child growing up. Super happy. Um, they had just like a close, tight-knit little family. They all loved each other. Um, she was described as a thoughtful, kind, uh, happy child who had a strong relationship with both her parents until she turned about 15, which is when every girl hates her parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> angst, angst, mm-hmm. angst. Um, and she began dating a boy called Dave Smith in 1992. Dave Smith. His name was Dave Smith. So once they met, um, Kelly became instantly, her parents described it as smitten with him, and they quickly began a relationship. For over two years, Kelly, he never met his parents. Um, she hid most of the details of the relationship from her parents, but they were not worried because Kelly was happy, teenage girl, she was going to school, she was it wasn't good grades, there was, yeah. it just, they just kind of wrote it off as her being shy and not wanting to... Her being an angsty teen and being like, this is my thing. Right. So, and they just assumed that Dave was a boy from school, that she was seeing at school, and that's how it went. Bet you he wasn't. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Okay. (laughs) So, when she started to sneak out at night and then would not return for days, her parents were like, all right, what the fuck is going on? Um, She started skipping school. Um, and so Kelly's parents were really concerned, but they received a phone call, like phone calls from Dave and he was like concerned as well that she was skipping school and gone for days. And so they were comforted by his attentiveness and then that like all changed when Tommy finally met him for the first time. So Kelly hadn't kept the relationship a secret Because she was a shy, angsty teen, she had kept it a secret because Dave was not a boy from school. He was a 32-year-old man. Oh, 32! But they'd been dating for two years, so she's 17 at this point when they finally met, and he was 30 when he started dating the 15-year-old. She was half his age? Mm Mm-hmm. Gross. Yes. So... Her parents were very disturbed by the situation, but they decided to give her... The benefit of the doubt because she was a mature and sensible person and they gave her the freedom to make her own decision. And I'm not going to, because the story is awful, malign the parents at all. But he is a predator. Yeah. This has nothing to do with your daughter's maturity. Right, or her decision. Or anything like that. That man is a predator. Get him away from your child. Right. That was my first thought when I read it. I was like, why? Why are you trusting your child? <laughs> right. Like Lock her yeah. in her room. Well, and it's like, yeah, she may be mature and she may be like, Well, and whatever, granted, when but... they finally figured it out, she was 17, which I think the age of maturity, maturity in England is 16. So there may have not been much that she could do. Oh, yeah. I suppose. When I think about it. Because I'm pretty sure in, in um, Canada, it's 17, too, or 16 or 17. Like, you can rent an apartment. The age of consent or the age of, like... No, you can, like, rent an apartment when you're, like, 16 or 17 without an adult signature. That's weird to me. Yeah. I can't imagine myself at fucking 16 renting an apartment or doing adult things. Yeah. It's weird. I I could be wrong about all of the particulars, but I know it's super young. It's under 18. For sure. Weird. So, her parents described Kelly as being under his spell, and there was really nothing they could do to dissuade her. Even when um, she would return home or come home and be covered in black bruises and bite marks. What the fuck? Uh, They weren't able to hide their concerns. They told her repeatedly that they wanted her to end the relationship, but she refused and then moved into his Fernville Road home in Gorton which is like a town nearby their parents' house. Um, Her parents continued to notice bruises on her, which she explained away as being the result of accidents. She became increasingly withdrawn, and then in December of 1995, 
she resigned from her part-time job. By March, the only contact her parents had with her were from cards sent for their anniversary and on their birthdays. Uh, when Bates's brother tried to see her at the house, Smith said she was not home, and then a concerned neighbor asked after her because she hadn't seen her outside in a while, and she was briefly, briefly shown at an upstairs window. Oh, so she was being basically held, it seemed. Just strap in. So, here's where it gets dark. On the 16th of April, Dave arrived at his local police station and calmly told authorities that he had accidentally killed Kelly in the bath following an argument. He claimed that despite his best efforts, he was unable to resuscitate her. When officers made their way to his property... They found Kelly's lifeless body naked in the bedroom, and it instantly became clear that her death was not an accident. Uh, they, Kelly had succumbed to a death so violent and painful, she was almost unrecognizable. Okay. Uh, he was immediately arrested, and Kelly's body was taken for examination, which revealed 150 severed injuries. The abuse was so severe that the home office pathologist, William Lawler, said... In my career, I have examined almost 600 victims of homicide, and I have never come across injuries so extensive. Okay. So, uh, he was immediately, obviously, arraigned, charged, and then on November 12th, 1997, so this was two years after, or a year after her murder, six months or so, because it was November of 97, and she, he was arrested in April, so, of 96. So, no, that was almost... Is that over a year? November of 97? Yeah. And was arrested in 96? April of 96. So it would have been yeah, over, it'd be over a year. Yeah, almost two years. Year and a half-ish. Yeah. Uh, so about a year and a half after her murder, on November 12th, 1997, uh, the Manchester Co Crown Court began trial. And Kelly's family would tragically learn Dave Smith was actually James Patterson Smith, a violent divorcee who was 45 at the time he met Kelly. What the fuck? So he wasn't 30 when she was 15. He was 45. What the hell? Yes. Oh, I'm so grossed out. Uh, James Smith was an unemployed divorcee living in the Gorton area of Manchester he was described by acquaintances as house-proud and well-groomed. I think, believe that's an English term. I don't know what that means, but I'm guessing just very, like, well-kept and put together. Uh, but his marriage had ended after 10 years in 1980 because he was violent towards his wife. He had an affair between 1980 and 1982 with a 20-year-old, uh, who he also beat severely even while she was pregnant with his child. Uh, she was quoted at the trial as saying, at first it was now and again, just a little tap, but in the end it was every day. He would smack me in the face, hit me over the head with an ashtray. He would kick me in the legs or between the legs. Uh, he managed to, or, sorry, Tina Watson managed to escape from the relationship, um, after Smith had attempted to drown her while she was bathing. And then in 1982, he began... A relationship with another 15-year-old, Wendy Mortar, said, who he also abused, and in one attack, he held her head underwater in the kitchen sink and attempt to drown her, so then she kind of escaped from him as well. And then in 1993, he met and basically essentially began grooming Kelly Bates when she was only 14 years old. He had met her while she was babysitting for a friend. Uh, and it was also... Uh, addressed in the trial that her death was not an impulsive moment of rage, but that Kelly had been subjected to over three weeks of unimaginable planned torture at the hands of this sadistic fuck. During the last month of her life, she had been kept bound, sometimes tied by her hair to a radiator or furniture, or by her neck by a ligature. The following injuries were found on her body. Okay. Scalding to her butt and left leg, burns on her thigh caused by the application of a hot iron, a fractured arm, multiple stab wounds caused by knives, forks, and scissors, stab wounds inside her mouth, crush injuries on both hands, mutilation of her ears, nose, 
eyebrows, mouth, lips, and genitalia. Wounds caused by a spade and pruning shears. Both eyes were gouged out. And later stab wounds to empty the eye sockets. And partial scalping. What the fuck? All of this... I... And he was just gonna go report it as an accident? Like, they were just gonna go there and be like, Oh, yeah. She must have fallen. Yeah, I'm not done, though. I'm sorry, but either way... The 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 pathologist determined that her eyes had actually been removed approximately five days and no more than three weeks before her death. Oh, my God. So she was alive when, when he gouged, he out, the gouged eyes. out her eyes and cleaned them out with a knife. What the fuck? Uh, she had also been starved and had, at her, when they weighed her, she had lost approximately 50 pounds in weight. And she had not received any water for several days before her death. Is that not horrific? Uh-huh. I just, I can't, like, uh, the prosecutor in Smith's trial said it was as if he deliberately disfigured her, causing her the utmost pain, distress, and degradation. Her cause of death was drowning. So she actually even survived all of that I just listed above, and he killed her by drowning her. All the mutilation and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Immediately prior to it, she had been beaten about the head with a shower head. Uh, and he said that her death at that point was probably merciful, a merciful end to her torment. Um, yeah. Uh, Smith denied her murder and claimed Bates would put him through hell, winding him up. He also claimed oh that God. he, Bates, <laughs> I'm so, just, God, just, I'm so pissed. You're going to get even what worse. What the fuck? Bates had taunted him about his dead mother and took a bad habit of hurting herself to make it look worse on him. When asked to explain why he had blinded, stabbed, and battered Bates, he said she had dared him to do it, challenging him to do her harm. Yeah. I have nothing to fucking say. I know, you're just staring at me like, this fucking bitch. <laughs> this bitch. For real. Yeah. I This I, case just, I it hurts ooh. my heart, and I'm like, I don't understand how a human can do that to another human. Uh... So a consultant psychiatrist told the court that Smith had a severe paranoid disorder with morbid jealousy and lived in a distorted reality. The jury at the Manchester Crown Court took one hour to find 49-year-old Smith guilty of Bates' murder, sentencing him to life imprisonment. The judge, uh, Justice Sachs, said that Smith needed to serve a minimum of 20 years. He has been... This has been a terrible case, a catalog of depravity by one human being upon another. You are a highly dangerous person. You are an abuser of women. I in, and I intend, so far as it is in my power, that you will abuse no more. So I think 20 is the maximum. So he was he gave them the max that they would allow in that court. <laughs> um, the jury actually had to be provided with professional counseling to help them deal with the distress of seeing photographs of Bates' injuries and the sickening violence of the case. And that's it. That's That's it. You're just leaving me at that. That's it. He didn't get like. Never mind. Didn't get gang raped in prison. I was like, didn't get raped so much that he died. He didn't. They didn't Jeffrey Dahmer him in prison, even though that's a myth. Yeah, I was like, "Hmm." Uh, he didn't like anally bleed to death or anything. I just, I just, I just want him dying. I want everything that was, this is when, like, it's cases like this, when it's, like, without a reasonable doubt, like, there's no doubt at all that he did this to her. I want him to die the same way she did. Like, and that's not Christian of me. It's not, it's probably not good for the soul, but just eye for an eye, that motherfucker, you know, (laughs) literally gouge his fucking eyes out. I just don't. If you're in an abusive relationship, mentally, physically, emotionally, GTFO, call it's, somebody, talk to somebody. I agree. This, it's this just is, very difficult. 
to do that, even if you are. And I can almost guarantee that if somebody is, they're probably not listening to this podcast. No, but. Um, but. Uh, you probably haven't watched the Gabriel Fernandez. Mm-mm. Oh, my God. I've read all about it, though. I just didn't watch the documentary. Oh, my God. It's just like that. That's how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Get them. Get them. Get them. So, um, on that note, sweet. Well, my goal when I'm telling these is I'm like, I want to find a story Amanda hasn't heard yet. Yeah, nope. And then I, what happens is I go down these deep holes and I find stories like this that absolutely horrify me. And then I go, well, Amanda would have told me about this if she had heard about it. <laughs> so I'm like, I know she hasn't it's heard true. about this one. It's true. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll read it. Sorry, guys. I feel like I went, I like whipped through that, but it was just so well. It, it's heavy that even... I was like, I just have to read this list like I'm reading off a grocery list because I can't stop and think about what they fucking did what he fucking did to her. Like, it's just... Amanda's cocking her neck. I mean, she's mad. I just don't understand. Like, it just makes me, like, viscerally angry. Yeah. And even, like, as angry as I am, I would never be able to do that to even him. No, I wouldn't. No. That's, I, like, I want it I, that's to happen, makes me but like, I don't want to be the one to do it. How just, can you... I just... She fucking taunted him. Like, oh, God. Mm. She's so mad. Okay. She, she. I need to eat something. Or I need to drink something. <laughs> I'm okay. getting a beer. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you the story about Reggie Cole. Reggie Cole. Yes. Yes. So, on March 27th of 1994, the police were called to an apartment in South Central L.A., uh, there was a shooting that had happened there. Okay. So they got called. They went there. And when they arrived, the scene was there was a cold body in the middle of the road. It was cold? Yeah. Like like it had been dead for a while. Well, so. Yes, I think so. They don't really explain why, but I'm assuming it's because all this happened and then it wasn't reported right away. Okay. Uh, so the body was later ID'd as Phil- Philippe Gonzalez Angeles. Okay. Okay. Earlier in the night, Philippe and his friends were out for drinks. His friends then went to an apartment building because the second floor of this building was a brothel. Oh. They were going to do a different kind of party. So, sling dick. <laughs> Got it. So they specifically went to this one because Philippe wanted to see a sex worker named Melinda. So when they knocked on the door of the brothel, they were greeted by somebody saying that Melinda was busy and they were asked to leave. So I don't know if they had like a personal relationship and they're like, "Uh, no, dude, you don't get to just come here and cause a ruckus. So I like she's she's busy. Melinda's working. Mama's working for the money. Yeah, so I don't know if it was something where he had come in before and been, like, emotional about stuff or what. I don't know. But either way, they were asking them to leave. So Philippe and his friends left. While they were walking back to the car, the people inside the brothel heard four gunshots, a screech of tires, and then four more gunshots. Okay. The people at the brothel then went outside and found Philippe with his friends all laying... In the middle of the road. All of them were shot. They were all shot dead just laying in the road? Not dead, but shot. All of them... So, Philippe's two friends were brought to the hospital, and they survived. Okay. But Philippe, on the other hand, was pronounced dead at the scene. He had died on... what One of the shots killed him instantly. John Jones, the owner of the brothel, said that he had seen the shooting when he was talking to the police at the scene. Okay. His story was that there were three to four young black men wearing trench coats that carried up silver revolvers. They approached the friends, attempted to rob them, and then ended up shooting them in the process of them, like, fighting them off. And he said that one of the robbers actually got shot in the leg in the exchange. Okay. 
So one of the robbers has a bullet wound, basically. Naturally, the police officers go to all the L.A. hospitals looking for a man who came in with a bullet wound to his leg. Uh-oh. Yeah. A security guard from one of these hospitals called the police and said that he remembered a man coming in with a wound to his leg into the ER the night of the shooting, but there were no records of a man who came in with a bullet, like, extraction or anything that actually would be on the record saying it was a bullet. Okay. There's not... I. It's like... So, I'm just... It's another one that, like, makes me mad. I'm, like, getting mad already because I have a feeling I know what's going to (laughs) happen. Less than a month after the shooting, the detectives received an anonymous tip that led them to O.B. Anthony, who was 19 years old. Okay. He was a member of the local Crypt gang. So, at the time of the lead, Anthony was in county jail for driving a stolen car with another man. So... They got this lead a little bit over a month, or a little less than a month later, and he was already in jail for grand theft. Okay? Yes. So, at the time of his arrest for this grand theft, he said that there was another man that was involved in the carjacking named Reggie Cole. So, this is when Reggie comes in. So, Anthony, well, OB Anthony... He is in jail, and he is basically saying that Reggie Cole also was part of this this uh, car theft. And so then they connected these two. And so when Cole, and Cole was also a gang member, and he dealt crack at the time. So he was had a bit of a record himself. Okay. They Cole, just all sound like sparkling reputations. Right. So Cole was then arrested in a hotel room and he denied he had anything to do with the car, stealing a car or the shooting. When they got back to the station, one of the detectives searched Cole and they pulled one of his pant legs up and found a bullet wound scar. And one of the kids, one of the shooters was shot in the leg, right? Right. Got it. After all of this, came to light, the police put together a photo lineup with Anthony and Cole in the lineup and showed it to the brothel owner to see if he could ID the guys he saw. Okay. He picked out both of the men at the first viewing of of these pictures, and then when they did a living lineup, he also picked them out of the living lineup. In the fall of 1994, the two young men went to trial for the shooting. They both said that they were innocent And that they had attended a birthday party the night before, and they were both too hungover to do anything that entire day that they hadn't even left their houses. Oh, been there. Yeah. So they were like, one time in like July where we got super fucking hammered and then went to Southern China Cafe, and then it was too hot to even function. So we just all laid in our basement in our like sports bras and leggings. Yes, I do remember this. In the dark. My dad's like, Can I come downstairs yet? And we were all like, No. No, we don't have clothes on. I don't want to move and I'm naked. <laughs> but yeah. So he basically was just like, we didn't even leave our houses because we were so hungover that Been day. There. God, that's a right? solid alibi. <laughs> He's like, uh-uh. Nope. Ain't also. No fucking way did we move. Right. Also, there was no physical proof that linked them to the shooting. It was just. Hearsay. Yeah. It was just this guy. And it's been proven that witness statements are not infallible right exactly so john jones the brothel owner was the main his evidence name is john jones yes that's not his real name that's his name there's no fucking fucking all he went by in my john research jones john jones if it was jonathan jones would you feel better no john smith i'd have been like fuck you that's not your name <laughs> fuck you that's a lie <laughs> fuck you that's a lie <laughs> So, John Jones was the main evidence for the prosecution when they went to court. He said that he saw Cole and Anthony approach Philippe. I always want to say Philip, but it's Philippe. And I want to say Felipe. <laughs> Me too. Are you sure his name's not Felipe? No, it's Philippe. Okay. Everything that Philippe. I've read and listened to, it's Philippe. Philippe. Fucking A. And his friends. So, he said that he saw Cole and Anthony approach Philippe and his friends there was a struggle, and then the shots rang out, rang out, and they sped off. Okay, okay. That, but you know, 
in my mind, my first thought is that contradicts everybody else in the brothel saying they heard shots after the speeding off, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's... But... Wait, so he they heard them before the car sped off? So... They heard them after? According to the people in the brothel, they heard four shots, skidding of a car speeding off, and then four more shots. Okay. So... Your neighbor's showering again. Just flush the toilet. It's oh. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so it doesn't necessarily match up with what other people said, but... Okay. I don't know. That's what they used as evidence. Every Jones, time something like that happens in your apartment, I think of that. Fucking mint! Fucking mint! Fucking mint! Hey, I'll take it. <clears throat> Jones said that he wasn't receiving anything for his testimony for leverage is for him to like testify against them and that he was just doing it because this is what he saw. Okay. Just keep that in mind. I was like, I don't believe that for a second. A little bit foreshadowing there. Mm -hmm. The men were found guilty and sentenced to life. (sighs) Motherfucker. Cole was sent. So Cole was sent to begin his term and in jail, he ended up joining the prison gang gang's chapter of the Crips. So, for protection and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, at this point. Well, right. He already was in a gang. raped, so I'm right. going to do what I need to do. In November of 2000, Cole pissed off a shot caller. So, I guess in my <laughs> small town. <laughs> the way you just said, Cole pissed off a shot caller. Because I didn't realize it was a shot caller. I thought it was a shot caller. Like, I thought that was a totally different, like, collar, thing. shot, collar. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was, like, a together one word. Oh, no. Like, a name of something. <laughs> You're so white. No. <laughs> that was my point. I had no idea, so I, like, pronounced it so I could actually understand what it said, and then I was like, oh, basically, like, a high-status person in the gang, right? <laughs> I knew what it was. I just didn't know that it was like... You're so white, it's funny. I mean, I'm whiter than you are, but it's funny. You probably knew that because you looked up the lyrics because you do that. I don't do that. I No, that's... I just... No. Either way... <laughs> so, he pissed this guy off, and this man was a 200-pound man, like, just muscle. Oh, so you done fucked up a Yeah, Ron, his, huh? his name was... Eddie Clark, a.k.a. The Devil, was his gang name. Well, now, why would you go ahead and put... Why would you go... That came out so Minnesota and I gotta finish my sentence. Now, why would you go and piss off someone named The Devil? (laughs) I'm, like, angry with how that came out. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, he was violent and he had a history of sexually assaulting other inmates. Again, why would you go? Like... (laughs) So, here's what happened. So, Clark had spent... Half of his... So, okay. So, Clark, a.k.a. the devil, spent half of his 34 years in prison. First, he was convicted of murder as a teen, and then he beat a fellow teenager... Well, when he beat a fellow teenager to death. After being released for this, he robbed a woman and sexually assaulted her and then shot her son. So, he's, like, very much not... A good person. Afraid of, like, confrontation and fighting. Right. So... So... One of Clark's friends, a fellow gang member who was also highly ranked in the gang, um, had dropped a shiv in the yard and it was found. Clark basically ordered Cole to say that it was his and he refused to do that because he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not getting, you know, in trouble for that, whatever. So, a short time after this, on November 28th, 2000, Clark came up behind Cole and stabbed him in the side with a piece of steel that he had made into a shiv and whispered to Cole, you're now my bitch. Is Cole Reggie? Reggie Cole. That's the one you're telling me about, right? Yes. Not the Obi-Wan Kenobi dude. No, Obi is not part of this story. Okay. It it ended with there. Well, he's, I mean, later on we hear about him again, but right now this is like Reggie's story. Yeah. So, Reggie just became this guy's bitch. This is what he said, yes. Oh. Clark walked away before the guards were even notified, at the, like, of the scene. So, it happened, he told them, and he left. And then that's, like, when people started coming in to, like, because they realized there was something happening. Because it was that, like, casual and mm-hmm. stabbed him and, like, 
Oh, no. I don't like the sound of this. So, Cole knew that Clark would now repeatedly rape him and most likely end up murdering him. No! I, that made my sphincter clench. No, I don't like this. Stop telling me it so right now. So, Cole dug up a shiv that oh. he had buried in the yard. Oh, shit. It was made from parts of a stapler and was about six inches long. While Clark was being searched after he had been... Stabbed. It found out that it was him and, you know, he was being searched for any other weapons. After he, While he was being searched by the guards, Cole snuck up and stabbed Clark straight in the neck. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Shots fired. So, Not really. Clark ended up dying. Oh, shit. And Cole Who's the was shot charged. Now? Right? Cole Bitch. was charged with murder once again. Oh. Facing the death penalty this time, though, because they're in California yeah. and the three strikes rule, you get in big trouble when you have multiple things. Mm. So, when Cole met with his public defender, because he couldn't afford a lawyer himself, he told him that he shouldn't have been in prison in the first place because he was wrongly convicted of the shooting, swearing that Clark was the only person he had ever killed and he only did it out of pure fear for his life. Yeah. So Christopher Poehler, which was his public defender, began reading through all the transcripts from the shooting of the trial. And he's like, and it was just, there was so many things that just weren't right. Right. He looked at it and you're like, this just doesn't make sense. So... He found some oddities, and the following three years, Polar investigated the shooting on his own time, like, trying to figure it out, because he's like, this isn't... He's, this isn't right. Yeah. Like. So, some shocking things came to light. First, he found that Cole was ID'd by the star witness, John Jones, right? By stating that the shooter had been shot in the leg. Yes, Cole had a bullet scar in his leg. But it was from six years before the killing of Felipe. Oh, I said Felipe. Now you made me think about it. Felipe. Sorry. Felipe. The wound was literally healed over. And this he was found less than a month after the shooting had That's happened. That's what I was thinking. I was like, there's no fucking way. Yeah. No fucking way. So it was Did. fully healed over. It was literally just like a divot in his skin. And it could have been anything. It didn't necessarily have to be a bullet wound, yeah. even though it was but a bullet wound. It, it was I mean, a bullet was, wound. But, yeah. The report from a couple days after the apprehension said that Cole jumped off of the handlebars of his friend's bike, so they were riding back together. Yeah. And um, Riding back together. They were riding back together. <laughs> and then he ran from the police, which, another, how could he run if he had just been shot in the leg right near the ankle? No, dude. A couple weeks. No fucking way. Yeah. So this is, it's just little things like that where he's like, this is just mm. not, no. No. Also, the metal ex medical examiner said that they, sh okay, said that the shooting couldn't have happened the way that Jones said it did because the trajectory showed that the bullets were fired from above them, either from the roof or the second floor, which is where the brothel was. Oh. Oh, And where Jones was, right? Mm-hmm. So, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it turns out that the night that the shooting happened, the detectives had gone to the roof to, of the building and found some spent shell casing. So they went to the roof and they were like, uh, but apparently the detectives thought that they looked old and like they had dusted over or whatever, you know. So they, just so they didn't, <laughs> hold on. So they collected them for evidence. Instead of evidence, they gave them to a reporter who just kept them. The fuck? Yeah. So, hey, <laughs> you can't fucking do that. At least the reporter still had them. So, they tested them, and the markings on the shells matched the gun that was, matched a gun that was found in the brothel. Mm. Belonging to Jones? Jones? Jones was then interviewed again, who at this time was in a state prison because, for, for pimping, basically. Pimping ain't easy. Um, so... <laughs> Life ain't easy for a pimp. Um, so... <laughs> he admitted that he had made up the story upon coaching from the detectives at the scene. Oh, shit. Um, 
He said that he hadn't seen Cole or Anthony before, but he was afraid that if he didn't cooperate, that they, like they would want him to, that he would arrest them or take his children away because of the brothel. He felt like he was being coerced. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a few days after the shooting, Jones had been arrested for pandering anyway. Pimping. Pimping ain't easy. And also had a bit of a rap sheet, including shooting a former girlfriend to death. Nobody thought to look into this yeah, motherfucker? No. no? Okay, good so, talk. He was looking at 6 to 12 years in prison for pandering. So he had been given a deal, even though he could, they told him to say that he hadn't been given a deal. Oh. And for testifying, he was granted only five days probation for this. Motherfucker. And they hid this fact at the trial. You can't do you can't, that. Hey, that's not okay. Hey, don't do that. So, after hearing all of this evidence that Cole wasn't guilty, clearly wasn't guilty. Right. In the first place, for the first murder, the prosecution decided to offer him a plea deal for the second one so he wouldn't get death, right? No, fucker. (laughs) I didn't kill him. So, Cole took the deal and pleaded guilty to manslaughter, and he was given 10 years addition to his life sentence. No. Give me freedom or give me death. Right? So because Cole had killed another inmate and he was like, I don't want to say shot caller because you made fun of me. He's a shot caller. Well, that's what happens. You kill the shot caller, then you become the shot No. That's not what happened. That's not what happened? So since he killed a shot caller, he was moved to solitary confinement for everybody's safety involved. Oh, well, I mean, that's better. Yeah. That's better. So it, but the problem with that is that, okay, so this all happened in, what year was it? So it took a little bit of time before, where are you? Now where was I? Fucking shit. Okay, here we are. So Polar, that same um, that same attorney, yep. filed a habeas corpus, obviously, for the shooting. And then in 2009, Cole's murder charges for the shooting were dismissed, but Cole remained in prison for the manslaughter charge because he had just been given that 10 years. So then Polar had to, had to argue that Cole should be released for time served, even though it was technically prior to his crime, but because he had already been there for how long? And he wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have killed anyone if he had been left alone. But he successfully argued this, and he was released in May of 2010, 16 and a half years after the shooting that he did not commit. Oh my god. Anthony was also released, so Obi Anthony was released in 2011, both of the men sued the city of L.A. and settled out of court for hiding evidence that, well, not Mm -hmm. hiding information about giving a deal, right? And Anthony was awarded $8.3 million, and Cole was awarded $5.2 million. And Who's I don't know the if... the shot caller now, bitch. Right? I don't know if it's the difference just because Anthony was in jail for two more years and, you know, yeah. or whatever. But, but yeah, so they, they were awarded the monies, and they are out of jail now. And I didn't see or find any, like, updates on them as of recently, because this was 2011 that all that happened. But I'm glad that they're out now. I'm just upset that that happened in the first place because that's just bullshit. It just... It was straight up, let's close this out. Who was it? Was it some black guys? Oh, it was some black guys, huh? Like, I hate... I just hate that. Amanda's fucking pumped tonight. I am. It just... This just pissed me off because, like, I watched a bunch of different, like, documentary things on it and, like, read some stuff. And I'm like, this is just bullshit. Like, it was fully just... Railroaded, just railroaded. Yeah, them. it was just dumb. I hate it when I hate it when in these stories that we read, cops instead of finding the facts, find the facts that fit their theory and only look at those mm-hmm. facts. Well, and this was in L.A. at a very like turbulent time oh. too, like eighties, early nineties. Oh, oh, yeah. So I don't want to say I'm not surprised, but I'm also not surprised. Not surprised. It disappoints me in humanity sometimes when I think Amanda's, about it. She's not mad. I'm just disappointed. She's just disappointed, guys. 
Just keep that in mind that Miss Amanda's not mad at you. She's just disappointed. I'm not mad at you. I'm just very frustrated with your choices right now. Disappointed in your actions. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. And I've never done a wrongfully convicted case before, so I thought that would be a good change in pace, you no, know? No, that was good jobs. Good jobs. Thanks. Thanks. I liked it. Isn't it it's a good story. You did a good job. Right. Well, and I thought it ended on a decent note. It's a happy ever after. I hope. I hope everything's okay. I hope they didn't get out and have problems and... You know what I mean? Yeah. We did these wrong. Did what wrong? <laughs> these stories. Nuh-uh. We want to end on a good note. I know, but... Your next one is unsolved. And my next one is unsolved. Oh, well... We were supposed to do that one with my unsolved and your other one with the... You told me to do this one first. So I, I did this I one know, first. I know. I said it backwards, I think. Oh. And then we just went with it. I was I like, meant, so I did this one first. <laughs> I meant, I meant like, we should each do an unsolved on on its own episode so that it wasn't a full episode of just no it's, resolution. They're fine. Everybody's fine. But Everybody will deal with it. You're fucking fine. All right, guys. Yeah, goddamn jackaxes. 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 I'm trying not to swear. Yeah, ochre. Okay. I said motherfucker like nine I was, times. I was going to say, episode. you said fuck in the first six minutes, probably more than I've said it in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't swear at all at work. So I feel like when it come here... Me neither! I know, but like I feel like when it come here, it's just built up and it just comes out and I say a lot of fake swear words at work. Like, mother of pearl! And... Son of a! As just and just let it trail off. I like saying monster farmer. Monster mother trucker. Monster farmer. Ah, oh, what the trisket? I just say weird things sometimes, and then people look at me like that. What? What does that even mean? What you, huh? <laughs> um. Hey. All right. Well. Um. Thanks for listening. Hope you're not dying of coronavirus. Hopefully, when this comes out, you're out of quarantine. Every the world's back to normal, somewhat. Mm-hmm. And my third, my third, my third is scheduled. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? But, uh, check us out. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I study the podcast. Email. I, I study the podcast at gmail.com. That's all the stuff. Spread the word. Spread yourselves and rate and review and all that fun stuff. But when you spread yourselves, make sure your hand sanitizer afterwards. Yeah, please. Well, not. I feel like the hand sanitizer isn't the important part there. Wash your hands after you spread yourself all over. Try and make sure you don't unwillingly spread yourself on someone who doesn't want to be spread it on. I don't know how. Every time I, I manage to make it weird, but I just, you just, I just I, slide right in. When you use the word scaping, <laughs> like you're acting like it's accidentally spreading yourself on people. It's not like you're, it's not like you're buttering toast. You know, you don't just go, "Whoops, a daisy, it got on my finger." Whoops, I got it on you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Me. That's a disgusting. That's so gross. I'm I'm We're so uncomfortable. I'm Stop just, this. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>